Hi, I'm your host, Connor Byrne, and welcome back to That's What I Call Marketing, the podcast where you will hear from the leading lights in the marketing world and listen to their unique stories. I've met 10 incredible marketing leaders so far for this podcast, and they've had some amazing stories to tell. I've loved hearing some of their stories of when things didn't quite go to plan and what they learned along the way. First up is co-founder and CMO of Gym Plus Coffee, Dermot McSweeney. And he tells me about how things didn't quite go to plan after their first outing at a festival. Wellfest, the first Wellfest in 2017 was was just, we sh- we showed up like, I'm not sure what we were expecting. But <laughs> the, reaction, the reaction that we got was un- like unbelievable. Like um, completely sold out of product, completely overwhelmed, couldn't keep up, pulling friends in from left, right and centre to help us. It was like, oh my God, this is incredible. We've got like we've got to do one of these like every weekend or like once a month at least, yeah. you know. So straight away afterwards, you know, did a bit of research, trying to go to every fitness or health and wellness event straight away. The next two, we did two more in the next three months. Absolute failures. <laughs> like, I mean, like absolute stonkers of failures. Like uh, I think one of them we sold like we when you consider we sold out at a Wellfest, and then we went to the next one a much bigger event sold one hoodie I think and oh, then God. We, we went to and we had spent a whole weekend there and then we went to another one which I think was in Bray or Greystones again a huge event and I think we sold three hoodies maybe the whole weekend oh. um, and you're just so then you're kind of like okay right that's not a formula you know we thought we thought for a second there that there was a bit of a <laughs> magic yeah, a bit of a hack or something that we had discovered um, and that wasn't it so you just end up doing those things where you test something and it works out and other things it doesn't. And, and you, you repeat the, those things that the summer stretch um, series that I mentioned, great success for us, got us PR, allowed us the chance to meet our community, um, got loads of signups, massive boost in email database. So later in the autumn, we said we'd do it again. Um, but because it was autumn, we had to do it in the evening time and slightly change a complete disaster, complete right. time. Um, so, yeah, you just kind of test and learn and, you know, you kind of figure it out. Next, John Goldstone of the Brand Gym talks about how he found himself getting swept along on some occasions. We touched on it earlier on, um, failures and learnings. Are there any kind of big failures and learnings that they brought to you in, in your work so far? Yeah, I, I think... Um there were sort of two that, I, that, that sprung to mind, actually. The first of those is um, running with things that intuitively I knew weren't going to work too long, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And I, I think um, at heart, I'm a bit of a kind of a, a people pleaser. I'm not that great with kind of confrontation. And I've got, you know, uh, better as I've got, got kind of older. But um Back, I remember back in my PepsiCo day, there were two particular um, pieces of advertising that I worked on. And honestly, they ran and ran this, this kind of project. And hey, I, I was responsible. And right from the beginning, I was like, this isn't going to work. I, I just, this is just, this is such a rubbish idea. And yet I got sort of swept along with, with the momentum. I, I remember one was Walkers and we were trying to move the Gary campaign on a bit links into our kind of fresh consistency conversation and somebody had come up with this sort of technical kind of approach 
which was we were talking about how walkers is made from real potatoes and real potatoes are obviously sliced and we were trying to get that whole sense of kind of realness back in and it was possible to to film like a scene um so that the scene had like 10 different slices in it if you could imagine like it was a slice of potato yeah and in each slice the action was moving slightly differently right um i think it's it's been moved used in some movies and stuff in the past but less ambitiously and i remember <laughs> the being sold upon this idea but really thinking i've no idea how they would do this or whether it's going to turn out any good and we spent hundreds of thousands of oh, pounds trying to do this thing with and honestly the, the first time it was shown to me i was it was just awful i mean it was really really rubbish and even at that point we didn't pull the plug oh, i didn't pull the plug i was like come on it's salvageable you know and i, I think that that just yeah um not being as you, you you talked about braveness a few minutes ago but not being brave enough when all of my instincts were saying this is not going to work just to back my my judgment and my instincts um there was a really similar thing we launched a thing called quaker's seasons and um there was a piece of advertising. I, I won't go through the whole thing, but it, right from the beginning, I, I wasn't, I didn't like the script particularly, but the other people working on the brand were like, yeah, yeah, this would work. This would. And I, I was like, God, I wish we'd just binned it, you know, right <laughs> early on. So that, that was kind of the number one sort of area of where, where there has been failures, where I've just let stuff run too, too long. Paul Dervin of the National Lottery talks about how he mistakenly thought he didn't need to brand his ads. I do think, like, I do, so I do think I probably thought I knew more or better than everybody else. And I, and that would have led me to kind of some views on, on, oh, I can come in and, you know, resurrect this brand and things like that as well. But I, I like, so that's one thing. And, you know, I've fixed that a little bit. But the, um, the, um, the other thing which, which like I wrote about the book is, is if you take an advertising perspective. So I, I had a view based on, on a very successful kind of launch of the 48 brand. Um, I had a view that you could probably make advertising and not brand it till the very end and keep people so engaged that that you can allow the branding to happen at the end and be successful. Now, the truth of the matter was we kind of did that for the 48 launch, but, but, but like if, when I went back and reviewed all that, I realized years later, I realized that we, we had had so much PR happening at a kind of a swell that the TV was just kind of adding, it was just, it was just adding context. It didn't have to do all the heavy lifting. Um, but that under that viewpoint, which a lot of, you see it all the time. A lot yeah. of marketers and, uh, and agencies have, which is if you overly brand it or if you brand it early, you, you, um, you, you know, it's less enjoyable, less effective advertising and look at these great ads from Nike or anything like that that do this or Guinness. Um, so that was a point of view that I, that I, I had and definitely led to a serious kind of mistake in, in one of the launch campaigns that I did, um, where, it was an engaging, interesting campaign, but poorly branded. Yeah. And, and, and that was a big lesson and it was painful. And, uh, and I know my advice to people these days is why, why take that risk? Like, like stop believing that the only people watching an ad all the way to the very end 
are the creatives who wrote it and 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 no one else is uh, like sorry that's not true obviously some people will but but like it's a numbers game and you want as many people as possible to see like there's a great quote from should do this again a great quote from from i think jenny romanek or or Byron sharp which is basically you need it's not the ad that people need to to remember it's the brand and 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 if people don't remember your brand there is no way it can get into long-term memory and vast majority of advertising works through long-term memories with the exception of kind of google ads and direct response advertising yeah. I'm sure anyone listening would know or be able to recount an ad where they go, oh, that was a great ad. And someone says, who was it for? I, uh, I don't, I don't remember. And that is the failing, you know, when that yeah. happens, then you've been sold that this is a piece of art and I'm not taking away from creativity and, and, you know, the artistry in it, but it's a commercial game as well, right? We're here to sell. Yeah. Like, like it's, to be honest with you, it's, it is probably the single biggest mistake we see in advertising still, which is, is, and you can't bolt it on at the end. You, you got to figure it out at the beginning, you know? Um, and like, I've heard all the debates, you know, uh, like it's easy to brand that. Like we know, we know we can brand that. It's still more difficult to do an ad that's well branded. That's interesting, exciting, and memorable. Um, yeah. It's easier to do an ad that's interesting, exciting, but maybe forgets the brand because you can just talk whatever you like. Ema McCarthy reflects on a campaign for Betfair for the World Cup that didn't quite go to plan. One that sticks out in my head um, is actually with Betfair. I love, like, the Betfair brand has such potential. And yes. the, the, the challenge I had at the time <clears throat> was that um, in, in a growing, so this would have been eight years, nine years ago now, um, and online betting was just exploding. And um, the Betfair brand had a challenge and a barrier in that it was perceived to be too geeky or too nuanced and a bit inaccessible. And um, it, it was kind of very niche because of this exchange element that it had. Yeah. And, um, the, the strategy from the business to grow in order to grow the business was to become more mass um, and more of a mass market. Uh, bookie um, and the challenge with that is for the mass audience they just weren't considering the Betfair brand for obvious reasons and it was the, 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 the really the goal for the agency was simple which was we just need awareness um, we just need salience and how do we achieve that quickly the World Cup was coming up or was it the Euros I can't remember one of them um, and uh, we needed a campaign and I, I was all, also very aware that we had bought the ITV package um, in between the matches and we were would have been rubbing shoulders with the Heinegans, the MasterCards. Um, and my fear, like, honestly, used to break me out in cold sweat at night time, was, am I going to be going up against the Heinegans and the Nikes with a really shitty-looking bookie ad? Um, and I really, really, uh, that's just would kill me. Yeah, I'm yeah. petrified of that. So I was working with our agency at the time, or WCRS um, in London, and... Um, they came to me with a great idea and, and it was very, very simple. How do we get, how do we be disruptive um, and uh, get remembered and create some kind of salience? And that you might remember was the octopus playing um, yep. table tennis. Um, and it worked. It worked fantastically well. 
But my regret with that and my big mistake with that ad was branding and right. the message behind it. So I got sucked up into the art of it all, I think, um, okay. and the beauty of it all. Um, and I remember uh, I, was, I was driving to Malahide one day and I got a phone call from Damien Devaney. Yeah. After that, after that, um, ad went live and Damien still puts the fear of God into me when I see his name come up on my phone. What so I was God. driving on, oh, Damien's calling me and I didn't even work for him anymore. Um, and I answered and he, he's, he's so good. You know, he rang to say, listen, that's an amazing ad, but you need to think about the message in it. And I hung up the phone and I went, he's absolutely right. And at that stage, you know, it was kind of, we enough TV yours underneath it. I think that I'd lost a lot of time with that ad. Um, we did go back and we did fix it, but it kills me. It kills yeah. me to think about it, and it kills me. And, and I kick myself because I'm like, shit, I should have known better. Um, but yeah, yeah, that that's one that stands out as an ad that could that could have been amazing, but wasn't. Finally, Paul Darcy, CMO of Miro, talks about some of the principles of failure that can help create a culture where when things don't quite go to plan, it's okay. For me, experimentation is um, is the path to solving problems. And I think to it, like this also fits with kind of questions around creativity. I think like the path to greatness is often to try a lot of different ideas um, yeah. and, you know, to fail fast on those. Um, you know, so, because it, it does take... Um, uh, trying a lot of different things to you know to get to something that's exceptional. Yeah, and I think going back to even the the piece about culture, you know, having that culture of I know people talk about oh we have a culture of failing, but actually, oftentimes they don't because when they go and say well we 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 thought we'd do this we were we ha- we haven't succeeded here's what we've learned here's some decisions we're going to make uh, it can be punitive and I remember we had a conversation with with you Paul about a test we were trying to do in Amsterdam and. You know, we were we were all like, oh God, we just tell them this isn't working, you know. And you were like after three, four minutes, yeah, okay, that's fine. You know, I, I, I get it. You you did this, it didn't work. What's next? And it was that I think that culture, uh, going back to that point, is really important. It's probably just I think it's in you. You may not even know it. <laughs> uh, it is. Um and like I don't look back at the early days of that campaign lab and think I I wasn't worried. Like, uh, but it was like everything failed. <laughs> and that, it's like it's like people are okay with things failing like once or twice. It's like, what do you do when ten things in a row fail? Um, but but there, it really was a path to learning and growth that was really significant. And I, I didn't know at the time if anything would would. I, <laughs> Um, succeed and, and there's maybe a like you know I, I for sure we thought about okay if, if nothing ever does what are we doing wrong like there's a step back and like let's look at the meta issues that are leading to this but but eventually we found past the success and, and had real impact and it, yeah I think that that having a culture of failure means that you're ready to to support people through a lot of experimentation and failure. And boy, that that is failing 10 times in a row in a lab environment fast is such a better op- alternative than failing 10 times in a row in the real world yeah. over five years. Um, you know, it's like we got that over in a quarter or so. Oh, and yeah. then we're able to, to take that learning and to do great things. And so it is so obvious, but yeah, it's um, not always easy. It's not, yeah, I think it isn't easy and probably it's, 
requires a, a bravery to, as you sit with it and kind of go, okay, there will come a point where I have to look at this more deeply, but I'm okay with the, and I, I'm sorry, I think the other point is that you, there's maybe confidence that, you know, the right decisions are being made, like people are being responsible. And again, I think that, that was all, that's what was part of the yeah. culture. And um, I think it's a combination, like their trust in the people yeah. is really important. Um, and then, like we had really good alignment and communication. Like we were looking at the list of experiments. Like it wasn't just like we did this and it failed. We were talking about the things that we could try and they seemed like the right things to do. And then it was a good shot at doing those things. Well, that's it from me and this shorter episode of That's What I Call Marketing. I hope you enjoyed hearing those stories about when things didn't quite go to plan. I think hearing these from some of the best marketers and getting behind the scenes of understanding when things don't go wrong, how you approach it, can really be inspiring for all of us. You can, of course, listen to the full interviews with any of these amazing marketers on That's What I Call Marketing. And next time I'll be looking into some things that these marketing leaders have learned in Lessons in Leadership.